For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little Left Jab Productions present Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarin. The Schmada Kid. Boom! Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. I'm Dave Zarin. Joined as always. By a man who in one day went from thrilled that the flake gate went down the tubes to shocked and appalled to see the expose about the degree to which the New England Patriots cheated their way to multiple rings. I don't know how he's feeling right now. I'm anxious to find out as you, Dan Baker. DB, what will they tell the children of New England? The only ring that matters is the next one, Dave. The only ring that matters is the next one. Oh, for God's sakes. And joined, as always, by Mean Mark Barry. How are you doing, Mean Mark? I have nothing to say to that. It's absolutely fascinating turn of events. The fact that one day after Tom Brady, and let's keep this in mind, was not exonerated. I mean, Dan Lebetard put this very well. He said it's not that Tom Brady was found innocent. It's that Roger Goodell's tactics of enforcing the CBA were found guilty. Mm -hmm. But one day after that, ESPN unloads, absolutely unloads, with the Patriots' history of malfeasance. It seems like they had it just locked and loaded for it, Like the Patriot Act, like just waiting there on the shelf for the right moment. I got got what you had there, the Patriot Act. I mean— That was good. Thank you. Um, But the thing about it that particularly— uh, is, is so interesting and why I actually appreciated the ESPN report so much is that one of the more frustrating parts of arguing with Patriots people is when they always say, what? People always say we have this pattern of cheating. Spygate. It's one thing. One thing. Spygate. It's Name one, two things. It's, it's just Spygate. It's one thing. One big thing. It's sort of like saying the Cold War. What? U.S. is militaristic. <laughs> the Cold War. It's one thing. One thing. Not one thing. Many, many years of many, many little things. But we got a hell of a show this week. This is our NFL preview show. It's the show I'm most excited about. But you know what we're going to talk about before we get through the 10 things I think I think when I drink about the NFL? Apologies to Peter King. Patent pending. I also very much want to talk about tennis because we are at a very interesting moment right now here in early September as we face the semifinals of the U.S. Open where tennis is on the center of a lot of people's minds. And I'd be remiss if I did not talk about the two things that are the hottest stories on the court and off. On the court, the ascension of Serena Williams. Off the court, the absolutely horrific actions of the New York Police Department towards James Blake and the kind of bizarre fallout that immediately re-upted from it. Uh, We'll be back after this to discuss. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin will return after this. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio, joined by me, Mark Barry. How are you doing, Mark? So good. So good. NFL lighting season. A, mm. Lighting a match for the coach just because we miss him. And check it out. We are going to discuss the NFL season. That's coming. Everybody does their NFL preview show. Ours is no exception. Of course, ours has a political bent. But before we start, 
I want to take the opportunity to talk about a little bit of tennis because when I was growing up, tennis was in the center of the sports universe. Borg and McEnroe, Boris Becker, Yvonne Lendl, Jimmy Connors, Martina Navratilova, Chrissy Everett, Steffi Graf, Handaman Likova. I mean, these were people who were at the center of the sports universe, and now not so much. And yet, earlier this week, Serena Williams versus Venus, and I want to take a second, first of all, to tip my hat towards that, because did you see that, Mark? I did, yeah, I watched it. It was, it was amazing. And not only was it amazing, you realized that it doubled the ratings that the U.S. Open quarterfinals usually gets. Yeah. And by the way, that doubled the ratings isn't just the match. I haven't seen, like, the actual breakdown. It's the whole block of the evening. And remember, it started an hour and a half after the listed start time because of five set beforehand between Silich and Sanga. So it was just an amazing event. And it's worth remembering because I think that might be the last time Serena and Venus ever play against each other in a Grand Slam. Hmm. Venus has said that she might be calling it quits by uh, Rio next year at the Olympics, which means it would just be the French Open in Wimbledon, uh, the last and the Australian Open too, I guess. So there are three more opportunities, but you know you really do wonder if uh, they're going to get the chance to play against each other. I mean, I wonder that, and I wanted to take the opportunity to first of all appreciate not Serena Williams but Venus Williams because think about this for a second, Serena Williams is a young 33. I mean, she's going for the Grand Slam. She's going to be playing as long as she wants to play, it looks like. if she, I mean, losing interest might be the number one reason why Serena Williams stops playing. I mean, she's just in such great shape. She looks so dominant. Venus Williams is an old 35. I mean, she suffers from this autoimmune syndrome mm. where she, she eats a vegan diet and has to rest constantly and take medication just to will herself into these physical battles. And she's still, at this point, 24-11 and 11 on the season, which is just remarkable given what she has to deal with. And I really wanted her to win. I wanted her to beat Serena. It's so bad because I didn't want either one to lose. But I was just like, man, for Venus to win would also mean an opportunity for her to become U.S. Open champion for the first time since 2001. 14-year gap between U.S. Open titles. And that seemed really special and it's so interesting how these things change because before they played I don't know if you saw they did this kind of dewy retrospective with video of them playing against each other as kids and they had a lot of kind words to say about Richard Williams their father and my friend Lewis Moore Professor Moore he put on Twitter that this rediscovery of Serena or this discovery of Serena now because there is this like national love affair with Serena Williams happening as she goes for this Grand Slam. He said it's sort of like discovering Michael Jordan in the 98 NBA Finals. Wow. And it's true. Yeah. Because here's Serena Williams doubling the ratings. Maria Sharapova, not even in the tournament. Serena Williams, 18 wins in her last 20 matches against Sharapova. And Sharapova gets twice as much in endorsements as Serena. I mean, it is such a screwed up world. I got asked this question on this uh, TV show. They just said... Why do you think it's taken this long for Serena to be appreciated? And am I and I didn't expect them to ask the question and I was a little bit like taken aback like is this a serious question? And I was like, well, racism yeah. and sexism and there you go. I mean, it's like I mean, I mean, I'm not Darren Ravel here. I'm not going to be like there's no racism in sports marketing. LeBron James makes a lot of money. It's like, thank you, Mr. Ravel. No. It, it's like to, to not understand the basics of what tennis is 
and what the Williams sisters have had to overcome is really a remarkable thing. And now Serena looks poised to be, um, if she's not already, the greatest of all time. I mean, if she wins, what's so interesting is that right now I think she's the greatest of all time. A lot of people think she's the greatest of all time. A lot of other people say she's in the discussion for greatest of all time. And, you know, good people can differ, I guess. But her winning the Grand Slam, it'll be the equivalent of the Jordan shot over Brian Russell, where instead of it being a discussion, it becomes consecrated fact. And so I, I hope that she wins it. I really do. Although, a tip of the hat to Venus Williams, who, I mean, has just done so much for the game, particularly, as Chris Everett pointed out, as a political figure speaking out for equal prize money in the sport. What Chris Everett didn't point out is that Venus Williams also, unlike Serena, has refused to go back to Indian Wells, the site of the the racist incident against them. Hmm. And I'll tell you what's also fascinating, too, is that these two women, they're they're in their mid-30s. They look remarkably well-adjusted, despite all the years in the spotlight. And tennis, particularly women's tennis, is like the incubator of awful tennis fathers. And yet here's Richard Williams, and he raised, as Chris Everett said, like these just two amazing women. And, you know, it should be not just said again and again like props to um, Richard Williams, but it also should be said again and again everybody because they looked at him through a highly racist and highly classist lens was completely foul towards Richard Williams during the early years of the Williams sisters' career. So speaking of racism in tennis, the other story that has tennis in the spotlight, James Blake, former number one men's U.S. player in the world, got up to number four in the world in terms of his rankings. And he was, people might have heard, bum-rushed by the New York City Police Department, uh, tackled, handcuffed, scraped up, and then they realized it was a case of mistaken identity. Whoops, they let him go. And there are a couple of things that, that came out of this for me that were really interesting. I mean, the first is, you know, there's this thing called respectability politics. And there was this kind of outrage of how could this happen to James Blake. And James Blake, you know, he went to Harvard and all of this stuff. And, and he's a great tennis player. As if that somehow, um, it, somehow it would be okay if he didn't go to Harvard. Right. And wasn't a great tennis player. I mean, th- there's this weird language around it. And also, James Blake, he's so well-connected. Like Mike and Mike, uh, the morning show on ESPN, Mike Greenberg talked about it and said how upset he was because James Blake was, like, from his hometown and all this stuff about all their myriad connections with one another. And as I'm thinking about this, I keep thinking, like, Nobody talked about Tabo Cephalosha getting his leg broken by the New York City Police Department on ESPN. They did not want to affect or offend their relationship with the New York Police Department at ESPN. And so they let the Tabo story when he had his leg broken by the New York City Police alone. They didn't talk about it. Yet they are talking about James Blake. And there's a degree to which where there's a rhetoric with that that's almost like Tabo asked for it. Because it was late at night, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, he's an NBA player, and all of these these things where it's like what you're saying without saying it is that if you put yourself in that position, you deserve it. Instead of saying, nobody deserves to be attacked by the police. And the part of the story with the NYPD, which was being left out, is that it was a case of mistaken identity with James Blake. Did you hear what the crime was? ID theft. ID theft. Yeah. Like cell phone cloning. Yeah, I mean, my it's it's not like there, there's someone on the loose with 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 a samurai sword, and there you know it's like like tackle him. He has cloned cell phones. 
He must be stopped. They've done more for less. Yeah, they sure have. And William Bratton has now, the breaking news that we're doing this show, he's issued a formal public apology to James Blake. And that's great and all, but doesn't it sort of raise the question, like, aren't there thousands of other people William Bratton should be apologizing to? I mean, there are families who, whose loved ones have died at the hands of the police. I mean, the Eric Garner, family of Eric Garner, you mentioned for less. I mean, you know, perhaps he was selling bootleg cigarettes on the street. I mean, it's like for, for far less, uh, people have been killed by the New York City police. And uh, you don't see any apologies there. And there's also this other thing where James Blake said quite explicitly that he felt like that race had something to do with it. And yet all of the headlines have said James Blake says race has nothing to do with it. I mean, there's, that's the other thing that's very weird is that no one wants to talk about the, why he was tackled in front of his hotel in the first place. And I, it's, it's, it's just this bizarre dynamic of the ascension of Serena, the attack of James Blake, and in the middle of all of it, the cash cow that is the U.S. Open in New York City, which is what clearly they're all trying to protect. And maybe that, that sweet Atlanta Hawk fan money just doesn't mean as much to them. Hey, we, <laughs> Tabo Cephalosha, mm. hey, we got to go to break right now. We'll be back after this and actually talk some NFL. One, one, two, two, Don't one, two, move. Three. Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Are you ready for some soccer? No, just kidding. I'm leaving. I'm leaving the, the, the studio now. Edge of Sports Radio. He's Mark Barry. I'm Dave Zirin. Dan Baker. I'm always soccer. I know, Dan loves soccer. That's it's from The Simpsons. Are you ready for some soccer? Yes. So I got ten things I think I think when I drink about the upcoming NFL season. I'm going to throw them all out in this segment. And Mark, you tell me, um, in using your incredible brain, uh, if you think I'm right, wrong, or not that big a deal, okay? Okay. We're just going to roll right through these. You ready? All right. All right, ten. I actually think this year there's going to be a serious attendance issue. At games, really, I mean, some places are always going to be packed. But I think by mid-season, you're going to see in at least a third of the league huge swaths of empty seats because of the elimination of the blackout rule. Yeah, I was going to say less is that, is local that pressure on teams to dump tickets, which is going to mean less. Uh, which there's going to mean a bit of a crisis in optics. Yeah, as more and more people are watching on HD at home, um, you know the stories. I don't know if there are more fights at games than there used to be, but it certainly seems like when it happens because of social media, it gets magnified a lot more, mm-hmm. and the clips are everywhere, and people are going to be staying away from games, and you're going to start to hear NFL owners. Obviously, you never know if this is true or not, but it's going to be raised as a revenue stream issue. As something that's actually hurting the finances of the league. But what about the cash cow of stadiums for the local economy, Dave? I oh mean, my goodness! It, it's good. It's revitalizes the entire local cities. Economy. Absolutely, Milwaukee. We're now, we're, right? we're now a stadium-based urban economy in yeah. the United States. Well, America is going to be one big stadium eventually. Eventually, so, yeah. It's eventually. It's just going to be <laughs> Chase Manhattan presents. Yeah. No, I I, I see that, that that could definitely happen. So, I, I think, so you think that that's, that's not an unreasonable thing? I think particularly the rescinding of the blackout rule. Yeah, raised. I just think. I guess what I'm saying is that I think NFL owners are going to opportunistically. Oh yeah. Take these optics and, and, and say, be, be able to claim and try and push for the blackout rule back so they can 
put people back in the seats. Yeah. So they can make some more money off or of it. Or use it as a way to get more givebacks from the players in the or, next CBA. Or just, you know, move somewhere else and get a new stadium built. So Yeah, that LA is uh, mm. always asking. Mm. My number nine, um, Sammy Watkins, a big-time receiver out of Clemson, right? Yes. Drafted number three a year ago. The Bills traded up to get him. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a poo-poo platter of quarterbacks throwing him the ball. Do not talk that way about Tyrod Taylor. There will be... <laughs> A meltdown by Sammy Watkins of Rex Ryan-esque proportions. What? That's like, my prediction. How, how so? What kind of meltdown? Uh, the sort of thing where he starts uh, pondering other careers, demands a trade. No. He's going to look at the press being gotten by his fellow draft mates, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, and just really wonder what he's doing with I mean, his Does life. he make a second contract in Buffalo? Probably not. But I... I he... Watkins won't do that. I think the Bills are actually going to be interesting with McCoy and Tyrod Taylor, who's going to put up some quality rushing McCoy, yards. Who's, is he going to be injured week one? McCoy? He'll, he'll play. He's, he's practicing fully right now. Okay. Yeah. So you like the Bulls. I mean, the Bills is kind of a— I like the Bulls, too. Yeah, I know yeah. you do. The Bills is kind of a, a sneaky team. They're sneaky. They're—well, they're, 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 I don't know. I mean, they're, they're at least an eight-win team. Okay. They re-signed Mar- well, Darius, which was Marcel very Darius. smart. Yes. I, okay. Next one. I think the Bears, and mm-hmm. we've discussed this before, will go 8-8. Eight and eight. They are a frisky team that it'll be a triumph of coaching. <laughs> Adam Gaze, Vic Fangio, uh, the Lions. Uh. The Lions will be the great disappointment in that division. No. What do you say? No, no, no. If the Bears get six wins, it's a miracle. Really? Yes. And the Lions are second in that division, pushing, on, pushing for one. Really? Yes. Okay, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number seven. So you just mentioned uh, the Vikings. I didn't, but let's no, talk about them. Because we're talking about that division. You yeah. mentioned the Lions. I'll mention the Vikings. I have the Vikings. Every year I pick a surprise team in each division to make the playoffs, I, in each conference. I like the Vikings to make the playoffs, mm. and I like Teddy Bridgewater to actually make what we will call the big leap and reach a kind of like the bottom rung of a kind of superstar status in the NFL. Year two? Year two. Year two, Year two throwing to Mike Wallace. Year two superstar Teddy Bridgewater. Ugh, I don't know about that. You don't like that? I just feel Vikings like, in the playoffs. You don't I, like that either. I, I mean, they're, again, they're third in the division. They'll push for it. I like the Lions better, but I just feel like you personally like Adrian Peterson a whole lot and all of his personal choices, right? That's actually what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, I really do like Teddy Bridgewater. I like the I like Vikings in the playoffs. So Vikings in the playoffs, first... you're like, no, it's not happening. I don't think it's happening. Bridgewater should have been the first quarterback in that draft, though. Oh sure. Yeah. Oh my God. That's going to be looked back upon. Already they're talking about Bortles' mechanics and changing his mechanics. Bortles will be fine. Really? Yeah. You like Jacksonville? I kind of like oh, – um, we're talking about it later. I, I like will talk about it later. Yeah. We'll get to you in the, in yeah. the last segment. You know more than me. Number six, the Washington football team will come in last in the NFC East. Agreed. Uh, lucky to win three games, maybe four. Yeah. And something, though, will happen related to Dan Snyder that will be very embarrassing publicly. What do you um, think? Uh, th- hasn't that already happened so far this year? Yeah, but we're going for more public for more? embarrassment. I don't know. Just screaming at Jay Gruden on the sideline? Is that Does that count? Uh, the second quarter of week two? No, no, no. With Dan, he's not Jerry Jones. It'll be something He'll, else. He could get there. He could get there. <laughs> It'll be something else. Like he, he lacks that kind of bravura confidence of Jerry Jones. It'll be more like it'll be found that like he gave a million dollars to someone to – 
um, to hurt RG3 on purpose so he could pay RG3 next year because he loves him so much. Like something bizarre and twisted. So Dan Snyder is the Jeff Galuli in the situation is what you're trying to say? Because he wants to pay RG3 and he wants the team to look stupid. Dan Snyder wants the team to look stupid. Because he loves RG3 so much. (laughs) It's the love that dare not speak if it's name. Uh, Okay. All right, just a call. Yeah. Number five, your MVP this year. It's going to be a two-way race for MVP. And the guy who comes in second and will be Offensive Player of the Year will be Le'Veon Bell. You like that? In 14 games? I could see that. And Yeah, I can too. Yeah. And your MVP this year? Fragile Sam Bradford. <sighs> what do you think? Put up I mean, monster like stats. He's, he could be MVP for the for the first five weeks where he's healthy before he misses the rest of the year. I love the offense. I love Philadelphia. I think the MVP is probably on that Pittsburgh team, but I think it's Ben Roethlisberger. I don't want it to be, but I think it is. Okay. Well, we'll get to your predictions. Yeah. Number four, here's a player who has never missed a game other than being suspended. His name is Dominican Sue. Mm-hmm. He's on the Dolphins. I a think lot of money. Get, I think he's going to get hurt this year. I think he's out of shape and he's going to get hurt. How, and I think how do you know that? Because I have I, I I look at his gait and I'm worried about his knees. Um, a lot of weight on those knees. But I think the defense yeah, all those three hundred pound linemen. Yeah. Who I like who setting a sack record, Justin Houston. I think he breaks the sack record. Twenty five sacks for Justin Houston. Twenty five and let's just forty. Let's put forty sacks on the board. And do you know who he beats for who? for for Depoy? Levante David. I love Levante David out of University of Nebraska. Yep, Tampa Bay Bucks, and I like the Bucks too. What about Luke Keekley? He just signed a huge new contract. Yeah, eh, never the looks... next Erlocker. Eh. By that they mean white. But yeah. <laughs> All right, number three, the Rams hmm? make the playoffs. The Cowboys don't. <sighs> no, not happening. No. You just really you love Nick Foles. You love, I love Justin Nick Houston. Foles. You love Adrian Peterson. This is what I get out of this. <laughs> Very good. Uh, number two, Ravens Packers Super Bowl. You love the Ravens. What do you think? I think the Packers could be there. You don't think the Ravens out of, the, out of a wide open AFC? Who, who we'll catch- get to yours. We'll get to you. Who catches the ball for the Ravens this year? Ah. Uh, uh, Max Williams with three X's uh-huh. and Buck Allen out of the backfield. These these are fictional names, right? <laughs> no, these are real people. <laughs> Max Williams and Buck Allen. No, this is not like it's like the the Dirk Diggler, Chest Rockwell mm-hmm. movie yeah. in Boogie Nights. But no, we're talking about real people. Max Allen with eight X's. Yeah, you just combined two people there. Whoa! Oh yeah, I did. Max <laughs> Allen. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> And my number one prediction, and this is the hottest of hot takes. All right. Roger Goodell's last season. I'm completely on board for that. I really think so. Yeah. I think, and what's so interesting about that to me as a prediction is that in Roger Goodell, you have someone who is obviously not a financial liability for a league that is going to have another, I think, 10, 15% hike in revenues projected for this coming year. But there's a degree to which he's a corporate liability and that corporations are actually worried about their partnerships with the NFL. Almost like people will love the NFL no matter what, but people might not love the corporation that stands with the NFL. And that makes a lot of corporate partners nervous. Mm -hmm. Like people love the product so much, they'll overlook the person behind the big desk at 345 Park Avenue. But that doesn't mean 
that they're going to abide by the companies that are tossing money in the NFL's pocket. And that's going to make a lot of owners nervous. And it's going to make Roger Goodell leave. Now, I had somebody say to me earlier today, uh, they owe Roger Goodell too much money to throw him out after this year. And I hear that, and I'm just like, how do you think billionaires do business? CTC, cut the check. (laughs) Get him out of there. Had him sign a non-disclosure. I mean, do you remember when there were all those weird pictures of Jerry Jones without pants? Yeah, we don't talk about that anymore. We don't talk, you know. Money has covered that. He cut the check. Even in our internet culture, even in our social media culture, even in our, you know, whatever, Snapchat, whatever the kids call it. What's it called? Snapagram? I don't know. Despite Wow, coach. Yeah, I know. I sound like coach. <laughs> but despite all of that. They're going to cut the check and get rid of Roger Goodell if they want to. Simple as that. I mean, worst case scenario, Goodell could just take him to court because he can't win in court. So no, the NFL will win, win that court. there. Yeah. Oh, so embarrassing. 0 for 5 I mean, against what is supposed to be a weak union. It's a, that's a, quite a streak he's got there. Yeah, that's really impressive. <laughs> and I was thinking about the other day about how I was asked to write an article for Slam about what the biggest off-season stories were in the NBA. It's kind of like, well, actually, there hasn't been a lot of drama in the NBA off-court this season. NFL, a little different. I mean, it's a reality show, man. I mean, but th- people think it's a plus. I don't think it's a plus. And I think more and more corporate sponsors are going to say, look, if we wanted to invest in the Kardashians, we would. And they, pr- they do. And they do. <laughs> but, hey, you know what? You just heard my awful predictions. Let's go back <laughs> after the break and hear some of Mark's smart predictions. We'll be back after this. Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Ready for what? To play football, of course. I can't play. Why not? Because I haven't got my football suit. That's all right. We've got one for you. Okay, boys. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. What in the blue hell was that? Little Rascals. Little Rascals? Are you ready for some football? Jesus. Half of them died in some horrific sex (laughs) scandal, and the other half were found years later in some sort of taxidermy in Walt Disney's basement. Wow. That's the real Hollywood, baby. You only get it here on Edge of Sports. And those are the least seamy ways Hollywood stars of the golden age die. Never stop talking, ever. I'm going to keep talking, man. I mean, Jesus, I, 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 it's so disturbing. Like, you hear about old Hollywood, and you, you sometimes wonder how anybody survived without having, like, their, their organs, like, Pickled in Walt Disney's cellar. I mean, it's just, it's a very bizarre world. Howard Hughes has like Rita Hayworth's head swimming in some gelatinous goo. It, it's it's upsetting. So, Mark, before I get some of your predictions, I'm gonna go through my division winners, and okay. you just tell me right or wrong. And if I'm wrong, do it's like do do you want to do your prediction and my prediction? Just do it that yeah, way. Yeah, we'll go back and forth. Okay, All right, let's start AFC East. All right. All right. I got I got the Patriots. I do not. I have the Jets. That is so stunningly stupid. It's I, th- breathtakingly th- it's, dumb. it's my contrarian pick. If you get to be a contrarian, I get to be I as well. I get to be a contrarian. Yeah. But Don't it's I? like the contrarianness has to be rooted in some fact. Like when I say the Bears will surprise, I actually do believe that the quality of their coordinators is worth three wins. I really believe that. Well, I think Todd Bowles is a sane Rex Ryan, which probably helps a little bit there for, uh, for that team. But the team and is you... clearly not acting in a sane way. So well, how is that even They don't even necessarily possible? have to. If you talk about, if you talk about what... 
we'll talk about strengths. If the the Patriots, there are so many things behind the Patriots, but what like what the back line of the Patriots defense is, and I'll read this down. The cornerbacks for the True. Patriots. You got Malcolm Butler, who's a second year player. Was the Nickelback had the amazing yes, the, the, the amazing interception, interception. And it, exactly that I hate I'm still mad yeah, about still mad. but the rest of the cornerbacks you got Logan Ryan you got Bradley Fletcher, Fletcher who is an Eagles retread and Terrell Brown and that that's what you, you also have, to... have a coach who is famous for covering up the deficiencies of bad cornerbacks Let's see I mean, what happens this past year they were great he you know he had Revis he had Browner I mean he had a hell of a secondary he did that was and, the strength of it and that was the strength but this year he also has Gerard Mayo back. I mean, there's going to be so, and that was a weakness. So that'll be a strength. I'm just saying that there's some, there's some interesting things going on with that team. I like I like parts of that team a lot. Yeah, they're going to win that. They're going to win that. Uh, the AFC. East. I mean, it's pretty chalky. Is all I'm trying to say. Oh, You're super chalk. Snap. I'm not doing. I'm not doing. We'll I'm see. Contrary. We'll see. You get. All right. You got. You got the. You got the chalk first one. Let's keep going. Oh, I'm going straight chalk. AFC, baby. <laughs> um, AFC. You're gonna love the AFC North. I like the Ravens. They've never had home field advantage to the playoffs this year. They will. No, absolutely not. It's the Steelers. It's the Steelers. not even close. Steelers, Steelers are going to Steelers are going to average thirty five once a game. Um, I think that that's possible. I think their defense is kind of a mess. Their defense gives have up to score thirty five points a game. Right? If I'm they saying. give up twenty eight, they're still going to yes. They're, like they're a thirteen win team. Okay. When Ben Roethlisberger goes down with an injury, then we'll have it. Then we got Michael Vick. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, and a fan base that will boo him because of charges. That I can't date stop. Back I can't. a decade. I mean, it's but they're, but they're the fine. Worst they're, sign, but they're fine with Ben Roethlisberger as their quarterback. Yeah, the worst they, that idiotic protest against Michael Vick. There was a sign where it said Ben Roethlisberger equals offense, Michael Vick equals offensive, and then the person next to him had a sign that said All dogs' lives matter. Wow. And it's like you That's wonder, so tone deaf. but you wonder, like, like what colors the sky in your world? First of all, if you right. don't think Ben well, Roethlisberger, well, I, I, know, it's I know, I know what color they want their quarterback to be. Is all I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and they don't think violence against women's offensive, and obviously they don't think racism's offensive either. If they're going to have all dogs, lives matter. It's playoff disgusting. team, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, playoff team. You got them. All right, next division. I just once again, I'm picking stuff. Uh, one of the websites says statistically, this is the closest thing to a mortal lock. Eighty-six percent chance this team wins the division. Indianapolis Colts. I don't yeah, see anyone. Absolutely. Them. The th- the thing about the Colts, it's amazing. As I was thinking about it today, they are basically the L.A. Lakers with with Carl Malone and Gary Payton, bringing in Frank Gore, bringing in Andre, Andre Johnson. Johnson. They're like a team of. Uh, it's like they're they're a team of just of old yeah, good parts, mercenaries. It's great. Without. A defense. Who, who's there? Well, who's there? We know Luck is either Shaq or Kobe, but who's the other one? If you're going to make that comparison, you got to have a second uh, superstar. Ty Ty's Kobe, right? Right. Ty's Kobe. Yeah, definitely. He got flair for days. Yeah. And um, and who who is the Achilles heel on that Lakers team? I'm trying to remember uh, who is. Uh, like, is, it, is it Rick Fox? <laughs> no, no. The Achilles heel might have been Phil Jackson. Actually, his mm. inability to marshal that team, which makes. The Phil Jackson of this Colts team. Is it Chuck Pagano? No, it's not Chuck Pagano. <laughs> I'm going to put him on the field and say it's uh, – no, no, it's the GM. Grigson? Grigson? Yeah. Well, I, terrible. You, you have, Every decision you, awful you, except drafting Andrew You Luck. have to throw Jim Ursay under. It's Ursay. Who, yeah, Ursay. Who, who, who's the worst. Yes. yes. Ursay is your Achilles heel. Yes. And then in the – and, hey, you don't want me to get chalky? I won't get chalky. Mm-hmm. AFC uh, – what is it? West? West. Yeah, I like the Chiefs. Me too. 
Ooh, absolutely. Very nice. I'm right there with you. Yep. You yeah, too. It's like you you watch Jeremy Macklin have a great season with Alex mm-hmm. Smith. It's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. And also, it's one of those things, law of averages. I mean, it hadn't happened in decades, like a team not throwing a touchdown to a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Alex Smith is not that bad. It will happen. I mean, he's not great, but he's not that bad. No, he's and, not that Andy bad. Reed's and I really love Justin Houston. Plays. Yeah. And I love Jamal Charles now stands along with Jim Brown yeah. as the only five-yard per carry rushers in NFL history, which is amazing if you I, think about I it. I own him in three fantasy leagues. I, lo- I love Jamal Charles. <sighs> These are human beings. You don't own them. I hate fantasy. It takes good people <laughs> and makes them say horrific things. Ridiculous. It's like doing uh, a sports show with Simon Legree. All right, I'm, Mark twirl- I'm twirling my mustache right now. <laughs> who, who, who are your uh, wild card teams? Wild card teams. Let's see. Let's look at the list. My wild card teams. I like the Bengals this year. Okay. I think that not Andy, unreasonable. Andy Dalton. Uh, you don't even have the Ravens making the playoffs. No, true down. They're third. They're third in the division. They're close, but they're no. They're they're, they're not. Andy Dalton ha- doesn't have to do as much when you have Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. Uh, Marvin Jones is going to have a really big breakout season, being healthy finally this and year. Perfect is back. Perfect. Well, he'll be back by week four. By week, okay. And Geno Atkins is going to be a monster love for the defense. No, love so much about uh, the Bengals. I and picked I, them last year to go to the Super Bowl, if you remember. I do. I do. And my, my other my Bengals-Bears Super Bowl prediction? It was not great. I'm just less contrary that this was year. Ravens-Packers. A... Yeah, you learned on that. I, I told learned. You, I told you the Bears weren't doing it, and they still aren't. Uh, my other wildcard team is the Patriots because I'm not insane. My other wildcard team is the Dolphins because I think they've improved every year the last three years, and like they had it. a great offseason in terms of personnel. And there's no reason to doubt them winning 10 games. John Grudem has has them actually winning the AFC East outright. Bill Bill Lazor, their offensive coordinator, they're going to be the Eagles South. They're going to play fast. They're going to play a lot of plays. Great. Tannehill's got some legs underneath them. I like them a lot. Great. Remember, Tannehill, people forget this, was only barely beaten by RG3 for fastest 40 time of all quarterbacks at that combine. Yeah. It's kind of remarkable if you think about it. RG3 is a world-class hurdler. I love RG3. I'm still very upset. I mean, he, should, right. he should maybe go back to hurdling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. All right. NFC. I, you know who I like in the NFC East? I like the Eagles. I like the uh, Cowboys. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, I don't even have them making the playoffs. Des. Romo. The five running backs behind the best offensive line in football. Romo is a cadaver. No. Romo He'll is like those fine. Hollywood stars. Walt Disney would freeze in his basement with the little rascals. You could replace any offensive line for any team. One, that's a great joke. Two, Thank you. <laughs> with the offensive line And you wanted from to the cut Cowboys. it out and I start did, over. I oh, no, that was Dan who wanted to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no it. it's 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 the Cowboys, and uh, this is the year sure. where Jerry Jones is happy, and I'm not happy about it, but he's very good. Oh my the, god, the, the are team you saying you might good. have them in the Super Bowl? Let's get there. Let's get there. there. All right, AFC North. You hinted at the Lions, but I think the Packers are just too strong. It's the Packers. Yeah, the combination of you look at a big three, and you look at Rodgers, Eddie Lacy, who I think is going to have a monster year, and yeah, no Jordy Nelson, but. You, with Rodgers, you can almost guarantee there'll be a receiver we haven't heard of who we'll be talking well, about. That's, week that's the thing. Devontae Adams is going to be great uh, on that team. But they were able to pick James Jones off the scrap heap. Like, yeah. just uh, being a cut from the Giants, he's, he could be the number two wide receiver, and Cobb could still play out of the, the slot. Yeah. That and James Jones could catch 70 passes for our. 1,100 yards, and yep. he knows Aaron Rodgers like the back of his hand. Absolutely. The, the team is great. Clay Matthews. Honestly, being able to play middle linebacker and outside linebacker, you're going to have a lot of flexibility there. Uh, that team is very good. They're going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and AFC uh, South, um, this one was, like, frankly, the easiest division pick for me of all because is even it? with the Packers, I was hedging a little bit. Um, this was the easiest one for me, who, easier who than got? all of them. And, and I, because I'm, I'm worried about a big down year from the Seahawks because of their secondary, but let's stick with AFC South. Mm-hmm. I like the Falcons. 
I do too. I like them a lot. I think their huge, their biggest deficit last year, honestly, was was head coaching and the inability to have a pass rush. And they, I like Dan Quinn a lot as a coach, mm-hmm. new coach out of Seattle, their D coordinator. Yep. And this is so crazy, but uh, they lost that last game of the year to see who would get into the playoffs again with Carolina. Mm-hmm. That one little loss catapulted them up the draft, something like fourteen spots. Yeah, and they got Vic Beasley. I like who Vic is Beasley kind of a a absolutely almost Marvel superhero of a pass rusher. He's, he's going to have he's an athletic He's an year. athletic freak. I mean, it, it, it remains to be seen whether he can be a pass rusher in the NFL, but he's got the speed for it. He absolutely yeah. does. So the Falcons, you agree with me on that? I, I have them. I think the Saints are going to be interesting, but I think the Falcons win that division. It's not. It's probably the closest of them. It might be a 9 or 10 win team winning that division, but yeah. it's the Falcons. But it's also a step up for them after last year's hideous 7-8-1 Panthers team. I mean, you mean team. the hard, the hard knock season? Oh, God. I mean, and the Panthers just suck. <laughs> Should we p- pencil the Panthers in for six wins? I mean, the, they the do get— The suckitude is they, amazing. They get to play the Buccaneers twice, so that, that's two wins there. A lot of people have the Bucks as a sleeper team. Jameis Winston throws 20 to 25 interceptions this year. Really? Yeah. Mariota uh, by a mile. Mariota by a the, mile is your, is your rookie of the year? Well, no, no. I have Amari Cooper. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Derek Carr to Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. And what about that NFC West? I have the Seahawks in a squeaker. Yes, um, but who do you have him in a squeaker over? Cardinals. Oh, you see, there yeah, the we Cardinals. disagree. We do. Yes, we. Uh, I think the, I like this the Rams is, a lot. This is getting close to the end of the Seahawks window, honestly. Yeah, and the, and and what what because does of the it secondary is, right? Uh, the second, I mean, the inability to redo a deal with Cam Chancellor. The reason it's happening is so much because so many other players had to get paid. Absolutely. They can't pay Cam Chancellor. No, and it's because of Russell Wilson. The reason they were able yep. to build that team is they had Will, Wilson on his rookie contract, and now that they have MVC. Had to, that's that's I think Bill Barnwell of yes. Grantland called him that most valuable contract. Absolutely, and they're not going to be able to. to to sign Chancellor for what he wants to be paid, so they're going to hold out, see if he comes in at a cheaper amount of money. But this is it's trouble. You know what's crazy is I'll never forget going visiting Seattle two years ago before the first Super Bowl during that season though, and easily, easily the most seen Seahawks jersey I saw was Cam Chancellor. He's so great. Of stuff that just people wore on the streets. Yeah, people just wearing I love that Chancellor. Cam Chancellor yeah. on the streets. And if, so that's my heart, my point though is that if you can't pay Cam Chancellor. You did something wrong. And I don't know what it is because they needed to pay Bobby Wagner. They needed to pay Sherman. They needed to pay Earl Thomas. All those are need to, right? I th- I think looking back into it, I mean, Earl Thomas is a very good player, but I think you might want to have paid Cam, Cam Chancellor out of it. Really? Yeah. If you look a back. A lot of people would disagree with you about I, that. I, I get it. I mean, center fielder. Not Thomas, just that. People think Thomas is a um, – Hall of Fame. They lock. think he's Ed Reed plus, yeah. but I they, history will prove on Ed that. Ed Reed I think... without the injuries, for now. For now, he's a little guy. He is a little Cam Chancellor, not a little not guy. A little guy. <laughs> <laughs> Cam Chancellor is an eater of worlds. All right, now talk to me about uh, your your wild card teams. All right, wild cards. You know, I already you already know mine. Vikings and Rams. Vikings and Rams. My two. I got Philadelphia. Okay, Philadelphia and that offense. I got the New York Giants. Really? Two out of these. Three teams from the NFC? Yes. Wow. Absolutely. All right, how, all right. Now some interesting side questions. How big a step backward for the most hard luck team in the game? Let's see if you know who I'm thinking about. I mean, the the without question, most hard luck team in the National Football League. The team that calls themselves San Francisco but oh, plays man. in Santa Clara. Oh, the Jim Tom Sulas? The Tom Sulas. <laughs> 
So then there, I like Carlos Hyde, and I don't like anybody else on that team. Wow. So it's like the only way you could see them even having a respectable year would be a massive bounce back year from from um, Colin Kaepernick. How is that going to happen again? I have no idea. That's no. like the land of this magical is, thinking. This is this is the last season that people think Colin Kaepernick is a is a quarterback is an NFL, NFL player. Yes. Wow. All right. So who is your uh, MVP? MVP. I've Ben Roethlisberger. All right. Yes. Uh, offensive player of the year. Offensive player of the year. I think that Des Bryant is going to have 18 touchdown catches. Really? Yes. He had 16 last year. And your he Roy can, is can, Amari Cooper. Yes. Amari Excellent. Cooper caught 100 balls from Blake Sims, who can't throw the football for Alabama. He's no, he's true. a target monster. He's going to be awesome. Wow. So yeah, I, I have Mariota as my rookie of the year. Yeah, he's second with uh and my uh my depoy. Justin Houston ties with Levante David, um, and my MVP is uh, Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford. Ravens, Packers. Who's your Super Bowl? Last question. All right. I got I, – I, I decided I was going to come here and think about it. It's Colts Cowboys. Wow. Yes. We'll be back after this to wrap up the show. <laughs> Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio to wrap up the show. Dan Baker, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you for your Super Bowl picks, my man. Who you like? It's gonna. I mean, it's gonna sound homerish, but I'm just gonna go with the Patriots because no, no, that doesn't sound, sound homerish no. at all. You still got You got. You got to be the last the champs. thing you I heard that champs. was that homerish was an audio tape of the Odyssey. Boom! Wow, get it, homerish. I would say. I would no, say I it's it. probably them or the Steelers. All right, the Iliad. Probably the, the 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 Patriots or the Steelers, and then in in the NFC, even though Jordan Nelson went down, Aaron Rodgers, Packers, they're just they're just such a good team. I really can't see anyone else uh, topping them. Yeah, I mean, I can't see anyone topping them either, especially I mean, with Eddie Lacy. The only the only the greatest greatest impediment to the Packers making the Super Bowl is Mike McCarthy in the last two minutes of a game. There's that. I mean, we've we've seen it. If Rodgers goes down at all, that team is terrible. Yes, it's like no. in a way that most teams. Like can at least can at least stay close to what they were before. The Packers are terrible without Aaron Rodgers. Well, well all of these Super Bowl yeah, picks are team, if the team exactly, is healthy. What team hey. do you think? How about that? What team could best that you think is a Super Bowl contender could best withstand the loss? Of I'm going to talk about it again. It's uh, it's the Dallas Cowboys again. Is that offensive quarterback line? Brandon Whedon? Did you not know that? I did. I thought they got rid of him. I thought no, he was it's Whedon still. Honestly, it's I, I really time. did think Whedon at this point, like his head was floating in some gelatinous goo in the basement I mean, of Howard Hughes. This is the third time you've called this back, but it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though. Howard Hughes always had a thing for 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 tall, handsome, strapping people. Uh, Howard Hughes, man, that guy was something else. Do, do you know I'm I'm reading a lot about old Hollywood these days? I, dude, I, I couldn't I tell. That. You I couldn't, couldn't tell. Couldn't figure that out. <laughs> You couldn't figure that out. I, I still have this weird theory that Mark Wahlberg actually killed the Black Dahlia, even though he hadn't been born for 40 years. Or maybe he's lived here the whole time. You just got shining on me. <laughs> like there's that picture of Mark Wahlberg yes. in Howard Hughes' house, the one he shared I mean, with Walt ca- Disney. I mean, cave drawings from, from prehistoric times of just someone with a certain hair. Wait That's a Wahlberg. Minute. It's It's like, hey. It's like, how you doing? Hey. hey. Say hi to your mother for me. Say hi to your mother for me. Uh. Hey. Hey. A Mark Wahlberg. We've gone off the rails. No, just a little bit. But you know what? That's a, Not only have we gone off the rails, we've gone off the rails because the league has gone off the rails. Way to tie unable, it back. So good. Unable to handle concussions, unable to handle personal conduct, unable to work with its union. They're off the rails, so we're off the rails. Boom. 
Mic drop. This is Edge of Sports Radio. I'm Dave Zirin. We are out of here. Peace. Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.